Hey, really quickly, just wanted to let you know that the Inspiring Talk podcast is now available in video format on YouTube. If you'd like to watch this conversation, you can head on to our YouTube channel, Bizay Gautam. While you are at it, show us some love and subscribe to the channel so that you won't miss the upcoming episodes. I'll put the link in the description of this episode. The, the belief is, you know, I failed once, I will always fail. Now you question that. I succeeded so many times. And if I failed once, I need to learn and I need to move ahead. So, reframe the way we look at things. This mind is the cause of your bondage. And the mind will be the cause of your liberation. Our brain, the physiology is hardwired for negativity. It's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but that's the way it is. Drishti badalne se srishti badalti. If you change the way you look at things, the things, their relevance for you changes. The modern day scenario, pleasure has become so readily available, which was never there for the last so many hundreds of millennia. Mm-hmm. And what is needed is to strengthen our higher self. From Wine Studio, you are listening to The Inspiring Talk, a show where I bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life, business and career to the next level. I'm Vijay Gautam and in this episode, I chat with Swami Mukundananda about how you can shape your thoughts to achieve anything you want in life. Swami Mukundananda is a world-renowned teacher of spirituality, yoga, and meditation. He is the founder of the yogic system called JK Yoga, also known as Yoga for the Body, Mind, and Soul. He has inspired people all over the world on the path of spirituality, holistic health, yoga, meditation, and service to society. He was the guest on episode 102 of the podcast, which I highly recommend that you listen to. And I'm super excited to bring him back in this episode. In this episode, we discuss why do we have so many negative thoughts? Is having desires a bad thing? How can we develop creative thoughts? And how to discipline our minds for success? This conversation is one of the most comprehensive conversations you will ever listen to on the power of our thoughts and how you can use it for success. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, subscribe to the Inspiring Talk podcast wherever you are listening so that you won't miss any upcoming episodes. Let's begin. Swamiji, welcome to the podcast. Namaste, Vijay. Pleasure to join you yet again for another session. Thank you, Swamiji. Thank you so much for being on the show. Last time we did the podcast on the Inspiring Talk, a lot of people loved that episode and they have been asking that, hey, why don't you bring Swamiji back? And here we are. And first of all, congratulations on your new book, The Power of Thoughts. Um, I finished reading this book and I was blown away with the amount of insights that you have included in this book on the topic of thought. And this episode, we're going to go deep into the power of thoughts and how it can really transform our lives. 
Very good, uh, Vijay. I am looking forward to it because apart from the book, this topic uh, is so integral to the knowledge that I teach and it's very dear to my heart as well. So Swamiji, I'll jump straight into this. Why should someone pay attention to their thoughts if they want to change their life? Uh, yes, Vijay. All of us are looking on how to enrich our lives, how to make our works more effective and impacting, and ultimately to enhance the level of our inner joy and fulfillment. Now, all of these is tied to our thoughts. We are always focused on actions on the outside, but we are missing out the link that every action has its seed in the thoughts that originate. And we don't do anything until first the intention is created. So if we wish to improve our actions, we have to start with thoughts. And not only that, our health is determined by our thoughts, to, is tied up to the thoughts. The more medical science is exploring this mind-body connection, they are realizing that so many of the ailments, they have a mental aspect to it. Whether it is rheumatoid arthritis or fibromyalgia, lupus, and irritable bowel syndrome, ulcers, diabetes, heart problems. Our cells in our body are constantly listening to the thoughts. And those thoughts are subtle bundles of energy and they are impacting the body as well. And that is why this idea of holistic health has become popular. And apart from that, Vijay, Thoughts create, impact the entire environment. When you walk into a temple, you naturally get good thoughts, uh, any house of worship. On the other hand, when you go to a marketplace, you get different kinds of thoughts, right? So what is the reason that building has been impacted by the thoughts of the millions of devotees who have prayed and worshipped out there? And that has got lodged into it. So in the book, I have uh, related the uh, episode of Shravan Kumar, that Shravan Kumar was dutifully carrying his parents. And uh, he was such an obedient and loyal son. But at one place, he put them down and told his mother and father, that how long am I going to serve you like this? Enough is enough. I'm fed up. So the father realized that my son's mind is getting affected by the environment. He understood it was the place where Surpankha had stayed. So Surpankha's evil, obnoxious thoughts had impacted the environment. So he told Shravan, let's walk a little bit ahead. And when they went a little further ahead, his thoughts changed. You know, so in a nutshell, thoughts are so crucial to the quality of our life experience. So our thoughts are not only making us do the actions that we do or 
what we are today is the reflection of the thoughts that we think and you are also saying that there is a very powerful mind body connection yes yes vijay uh, definitely we are ultimately what we think uh, our level that is what the buddha said isn't it that uh, it is our thoughts that determine our personality and that is what the vedas have been saying for thousands of years that man eva manushyanam karanam bandha mokshayo this mind is the cause of your bondage and the mind will be the cause of your liberation it's not all the tilaks you put on or the dresses <laughs> you wear etc that's all very well these are helpers in helping your mind create the right kind of thoughts but if only putting on a tilak or wearing a kanthi could suffice then kabir ji says kanthi bandhe hari mile to banda bandhe kunda that if it was so easy i'll tie a kunda around my neck so the externals are definitely important that is what religion presents to us externals rituals customs traditions but spirituality goes inside to the core and that is where the thoughts become of paramount importance so like i said when we say the mind is the cause of bondage and mind is the cause of liberation the mind is like a factory which is creating thoughts you know so if we want to improve the quality of our thoughts we have to also pay attention to the state of our mind so swami ji you mentioned about our environment determines the thoughts and you know when we are in any of the temple or any of the place where we go to worship or pray to god has completely different energy and we think different thoughts but generally why do most of us think a lot of negative thoughts where does these you know thoughts come from in the first place <laughs> yes vijay our brain the physiology is hardwired for negativity it's unfortunate but that's the way it is now consider a fish in uh, the ocean it has got positive stimuli in the environment food for it to eat and it has also got negative stimuli the shark that is coming to eat it so the fish is facing these two kinds of uh, things in its environment now the positive if it misses out it's not so serious it will get more food but if it misses out the negative life is game is over that is why if you were to design a fish you would also give it a negativity bias the brain should be focused on the negatives you know primed for it the same is for all the creatures in the world in that right so in our case we are also having that physiology even though in our case it is not life threatening for example let us say that one relative kind of hurt our ego in some way so it is not a matter of life and death but our brain and mind perceive that negative and they go on repeating it again and again and again like for example if the fennel seed the soft gets stuck in your tooth then your tongue will keep on revisiting that it has got 32 places to go but the tongue doesn't care it is primed on the negative one so well, likewise 
we have this tendency that somebody praised you 10 times but he gave one criticism and our mind keeps on thinking about it why did he say that or let us say you did 10 right things and you did made one mistake now the mind is thinking oh my god i made that one mistake and we did 10 good things as well right so a partial answer to uh, your uh, statement is the negativity bias and beyond that what happens is that when we repeat a thought pattern our it neurons they get uh, wired in that uh, manner as the saying goes that neurons that fire together they wire together so if we have thought negative thoughts hundreds of times in a few days then that pattern gets stuck in the mind it becomes a mindset and then it becomes like a vicious trap that you keep falling into it more and more and more that absolutely makes sense because what i have realized is when you think some negative thoughts or like you said like hey this happened to me your brain will start collecting evidence to prove the thought that you the first thought that you had and then you know you keep on going deeper and deeper into it and the same goes with positive one as well that's right ultimately we have to realize that it's an option that we have that nobody is forcing us to think negative so we don't like negative thoughts and why is that every thought has a feeling attached to it so when you think thoughts of envy or thoughts of worry your own feeling tells you i'm not liking this right so now the option is there with us we replace the negative with the positive if the mind is suggesting i am a failure because i failed in that particular interview now you question the belief that is the basis of this thought so the belief is you know i failed once i will always fail now you question that i succeeded so many times and if i failed once i need to learn and i need to move ahead so reframe the way we look at things that option for reframing is always there like for example one nurse was relating her experience she was in the army hospital and she was tending to two soldiers who had returned from the battlefield with their one leg blown off so both had suffered similar injuries due to grenade explosion now one of them was just complaining and complaining so bad the brigadier sent me in the wrong place and my comrades did not protect me and why did the government declare war in the first place he had a string of complaints his mind was so negative and the other soldier in the same situation he was saying oh my god i have been blessed today by god's protective hand i could have lost my life and some of the other i just lost a leg i am sure i must have done very bad karmas in the past and he has let it go with a small a wound what is there it will get i'll get an artificial limb so he is looking at the same thing with in positive light now no matter what the situation we always have that option 
like now one person said i have to pay my taxes how bad and then he reframes that i thank god i have taxes to pay because it means i have an income that i receive <laughs> i have to clean up after my friends party but thank god that i have to clean up because it means i have friends who come to my house for a party right so there's a saying in hindi drishti badalne se srishti badalti hai if you change the way you look at things the things their relevance for you changes we need to learn how to positively reframe things that's a beautiful and where does somebody begin to start positively reframe it where does it begin does it begin at awareness that's right the first step would be awareness so this is self awareness where you become aware that i am thinking thoughts that will harm me you know if that awareness is not there then change cannot happen like you try telling somebody that you know why are you keeping resentment in your heart it's hurting you and the person says why should i not keep resentment when that person has done something so bad to me so first of all the self awareness has to come that i am hurting myself you know like somebody said that keeping resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other guy dies <laughs> when we are self aware we then realize oh my god i am it is my own thoughts are determining my happiness so the beginning has to be in self awareness and then you move on to the next step which will be substitution which i talked to you about substitution means that if you are getting a harmful thought you replace it by a beneficial thought mm, redirect your thoughts that's right and then the next step will be what i have called in the book sublimation which means you start repeating the positive thought and by doing that you create a positive neural track in your mind and slowly slowly that positive thought will become natural to you like people ask me they say swami ji you teach positive thinking but do you ever think negatively yourself i wanted to ask you that question <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be my next question for sure <laughs> so i then start scanning over the last 6 7 years did i ever think any negative thoughts and i can't remember any occasion so why because it's not that they have not been problems when you have worked of this magnitude there are challenges on a daily basis but i am just solution oriented which means there's no point revising the problem in your head if there is a solution work on it if there is no solution then learn to tolerate and bear with it i think that's a really great way to manage your negative thoughts you start with awareness be aware of it and then you substitute it or redirect it to positive thoughts and then you repeat the positive thoughts so that it becomes second nature to you to look at the positive side of things that's right very correct so swami ji we are in the era and the age 
where we are, you know, you talk about disciplining your mind, disciplining your thoughts in the book. And we are here in the times where we are distracted. Our attention span is reducing day by day. How can we still ensure that we are not distracted and manage our brain and still stay positive? Yes, uh, Vijay, we all as human beings have this dichotomy in our personality where there is the higher nature which wants fulfilling life, which wants to do good things and become a good person. And we have the lower nature which is looking for immediate gratification, which is subject to hatred, envy, ego, etc. So we have that aspect of our personality and we have the other aspect as well. Now, in modern times, we are feeding that lower nature. Because of all the stimuli from all sides, all these are increasing the pleasure tendency of the mind. Now, 40 years ago, if you wanted some kind of pleasure stimuli to look at beautiful things, etc., you would have to go in the marketplace or something, you go around, right? Now, what? It's all completely changed. You go onto your social media and you just click maybe 400 videos in, in one minute's time. So you get one kick, another kick, second kick, third kick. So what people are doing is giving them pleasure, but what they are not realizing is it is completely changing their neurology. And the propensity of the mind for pleasure is just getting inflamed. And that is what is coming in the way of maintaining focus. To maintain focus means that even though work is not interesting, even though the mind complains it's boring, yet we are able to keep the beam of our attention there because it's a high value activity and we know it needs to be done. So the intellect says it needs to be done, it's important. And the mind says, you know, if I can just divert myself and check my WhatsApp, that will be so pleasurable. So <laughs> that mind has to be kept in check, right? So the modern day scenario Pleasure has become so readily available, which was never there for the last so many hundreds of millennia. And what is needed is to strengthen our higher self, to strengthen our ability to keep that tendency in check. It's like growing a muscle. So if let's say that you want to grow muscles, it's not a one-day program or a one-week program or a one-month program, right? Any physical trainer will tell you that muscles will take three months to develop. So likewise, if we want to grow in our focus, we say, okay, all day long, I'm distracted at social media, but when I sit for meditation, I'll focus. It will not work that way. Step by step, we will have to control our lifestyle and reduce the low value activities and strengthen our willpower to stick with the high value activities. So every time we know that something is pleasurable but not valuable and we indulge in it, we are reducing our ability for focus, etc. Every time we deny some low value activity, even though it's pleasurable, 
we are strengthening our inner self. Every time we say yes to something, even though it is painful but valuable, we are strengthening the power of our will. One, one step at a time, we have to keep on growing in our inner willpower, self-discipline. So do you think we as human are designed to opt for pleasure and run away from the pain? That is one aspect of our personality. So this is the pleasure principle. You know that we take a look at a little child, a three-year-old child. You tell that child, beta, think of your long-term career and do this. Doesn't make any sense to the child. All the child wants is, how do you get pleasure now? And mommy says, beta, you take amla. It is so the Indian gooseberry. It's got the vitamin C of 10 oranges. You know, it will boost your body immunity. A three-year-old will say, mommy, I am not interested in amlas. You give me the chocolate that gives immediate gratification. So the mummy says, they're saying again, Amle ka khaya aur bado ka kaha baad mein pata chalta. My child, the benefit of the amla, you will get to know later. So we do have this tendency and we have another tendency as well. We want to lift our life. We want to do something meaningful, right? Uh, what gives you the maximum pleasure when people say that, okay, Bichai, when I listen to the inspiring talk, it makes such a difference to my life. Then you see, oh, my work is impacting. Ah, you feel good about yourself, right? So that feeling good about ourselves comes when we are trying to be the best version of ourselves and when we are doing meaningful work. Both these aspects are there. That is why the Kathopanishad has uh, summarized this so beautifully. It says, there are two pleasures, Shreya and Preya. One pleasure is like nectar in the here and now, but later on it will become like poison. And the other pleasure is like poison just now, but later on it will be sheer nectar. It says, now you have to choose between these two, right? That, that is the dilemma in human life. And it's so beautiful that you mentioned about, you know, podcasting. I do get that kick when somebody likes, double taps my Instagram post and I see that, oh, five people liked my last post that I made. But that is a very short lived. It's like a, a kick that you got, but it's very short lived. But like you said, when somebody says, that, hey, I listened to that conversation with so-and-so person and it made such a difference in my life, then that is something that you want to cherish for a really, really long time. The kind of happiness we pursue in life, the quality of our life will depend upon it. People who make ruins of themselves are the ones who kept choosing the wrong kind of happiness. And before they realized... And what do you mean by wrong kind of? Like, for example, now the happiness from chemical addictions, it gives you an immediate kick and it's readily available. So you get it for this much and it's there, right? But that kind of happiness trapped them. It was like the bee that got attracted to the honey and it became its death trap. 
So slowly, slowly, because they are getting this pleasure so easily, and before they realize it, they are addicted to it. And now they are going to rehab centers, etc. Right. So the whole mess started because they chose the wrong kind of happiness. Now, what I like to tell people is that the real secret of happiness is this: when you try and do good, and when you try. and be good that is what will make you actually feel good mm. swamiji is desire a bad thing having a desire of, of something bad desires are bad things so when people are tormented by desires at that time they say oh my god desires a bad thing right now there are four golden truths in buddhism the first that there is suffering in this world the second this suffering has a cause to it and the third the cause of suffering is desire and the fourth an elimination of desire suffering will finish so the same is there the way jagat yanartho na samosti kamai this uh, one poet has written there is nothing as inauspicious as desire so <laughs> on one side the scriptures have told us this but on the other side it needs to be qualified there are good desires and there are bad desires supposing you desire to grow in wisdom how can it ever be a bad thing supposing you desire to positively impact somebody's life how can it be a bad thing supposing you desire to make your own life a success by reaching the ultimate goal how can it be a bad thing the desire is an energy ability that god has endowed us with we are not controlling it that's why we think it's a bad thing but when we channelize it in the proper direction it can be one of the best things and the saints also had desires one saint says hey dev he daite he bhuvanaika bandho he krishna he chapal he karunaika sindho he nath he ramane he nayana bhiram ha ha kada anubhavata si padam drishor me oh shri krishna i am so yearning for your darshan when you will you reveal yourself to me that desire will purify the heart because it's a pure desire mm really nice so um you mention about in your book spending time alone with yourself and meditation really helps you purifies your thought helps you reflect upon it so what role does meditation and spending time alone has in nurturing good thoughts positive thoughts if we wish to nurture positive thoughts we should try and spend some time in solitude people are so busy running from here to there they are not investing time in for themselves and when they shut everything off and go into solitude that will help them first of all do a self analysis where am i today it will help them ponder over their goals 
what are my long-term objectives, what are my strengths and weaknesses. And then it will give them the, the opportunity or the window to do intentional thinking. So one is thinking is happening to us, reactive thinking. So-and-so said this, I've got angry. So-and-so said this, I've got happy. This is reactive thinking, right? Where external stimuli are creating thoughts. Now, what really makes a difference is intentional thinking. Thoughts that we are choosing to bring to yourself. Those thoughts are the high-value thoughts. When we say, okay, how can I add positivity to myself? Let me count my graces. Let me remember all the, the, the nice things that have happened to me, etc. That intentional thinking, for it, we need to feed our mind with proper diet. Now, if you want to take care of your health, you have to avoid junk food. If our diet is all junk food, then we can't expect that we'll be healthy and robust. So likewise, whatever inputs we take from the environment, this is diet for our intellect. Now, if we just remain careless and keep on exposing ourselves to everything that the media is saying, most of the news is negative, most of the news is not adding any wisdom to us, then that junk is what will fill in the mind. And the sign of that will be that when we sleep at night, we will get negative dreams. Negative dreams means the subconscious has been affected with negativity. Because the conscious mind is sleeping. And the subconscious is just throwing up what it is full of. So we should take conscious steps in our waking state to feed our mind. That is why Mahatma Gandhi had a very simple instruction, you know, deceptively simple, his three monkeys. The Sunbura, Dekbura, Bolbura. Hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil. Right? So fill your mind with wisdom, hear the divine messages, the teachings of the saints, the sacred writings in our holy books. And then when you stay in isolation, contemplate over it and create those kinds of thoughts. As we say, Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha, may all souls be happy, may all souls be prosperous, may nobody be miserable. Now when you bring these thoughts to yourself, the, it will benefit the world, but even more it will benefit us, that positivity. Mm. So Swamiji, is that the ultimate goal that we all want to be happy and we all want to be uh, satisfied with our life? Uh, happiness is definitely the, the goal of all human beings. There is no doubt about it. Nobody wants to be miserable. And nobody will go around saying, how can I be unhappy? So happiness is, again, the nature of our very being. That is why the moment we were born, we raised a slogan, give me happiness. It was not in those words, but at the time of birth, we started crying. Why? Because birth was a painful experience. And by crying, 
we expressed ourselves. I did not come in this world for pain. I had come for happiness. What is going on? Ooh. From that day till today, incessantly, the pursuit of happiness is going on. So you are right that we are looking for happiness. But the point is, this urge for happiness is not the goal in itself. It is pointing us towards a goal. So we should ask this question that nobody taught me to seek happiness. I was taught so many things by parents, by teachers. You should tell the truth. You should never steal anybody's property. But nobody told me you should seek happiness. It should not happen that you start seeking misery. This instruction was never given to us, which means without anybody's teaching, we, we learn, I need happiness. Where is this urge coming from? And the Vedas are telling us, Your soul is a part of an ocean of happiness. Whichever name you call that by, God, Ram, Krishna, whatever. So we are tiny fragments of an ocean of happiness. So when Swami Vivekananda, he was the first Swamiji to go from Bharatvarsh to USA. And when he would begin his talks, he would say, Oh, ye children of immortal bliss. Your souls are all little children, little fragments of immortal bliss. So that urge for happiness is pointing us towards the Supreme, that until you reach that destination, you will not find the fulfillment. Mm, that's really, really powerful. You mentioned earlier about counting the grace and a lot of times, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this right now can feel that Swamiji, there is something that's going on in my life. Maybe I'm struggling financially, maybe I'm struggling with relationship, maybe I'm struggling with, you know, there could be n number of things, maybe with my health and so on and so forth. In those moments, it's very, very difficult for you to think of, think positively and you know, really help yourself come out of those cycle of thoughts. So what role does gratitude really play? What happens when we start counting grace, as you say, or gratitude or blessings? Uh, what role does that play in changing that narrative on your head? Yes, uh, adversity is more common than uh, positive circumstances. Uh, this is the university of hard knocks. We seem to move from one challenge to the next challenge to the next challenge. Uh, that is why, you know, on one side, the moment the COVID situation eased off, there was the Russia-Ukraine war. And people said, Swamiji, what is going on? We seem to move from one crisis to the next. But on a personal level also, that is how life is. There's one crisis and then the next and then the next. So. Uh, we should keep this in mind that the universe is not against us. And if it is sending challenges our way, they are also blessings in disguise. And in fact, it is in facing challenges that we are forced to exert our wisdom, exert our self-control and manifest our latent potentials. So the inner growth it happens in the face of adversities. I like to give the example of the caterpillar. 
it weaves a cocoon around itself and emerges as a butterfly. Now, one child learned this in his general science class in grade five in school. And when he was returning from there, in the rose bush in his garden lot, he found a cocoon hanging. And he said, wow, this is my personal laboratory. So every day while going and coming, he would check the state of the cocoon as the butterfly emerging. And one day, sure enough, a little tear was now visible. Since it was a holiday, he was returning after every hour to check it up. And by midday, the butterfly was now visible. It was ripping apart its house of the last few weeks to emerge in the beautiful world. But halfway through, it seemed to get stuck. So it seemed to be jammed and the cocoon was bobbing up and down, up and down. Boy thought, oh my God, such a difficult situation for the butterfly. Let me do my good deed. He ran home, got a pair of scissors and snipped the cocoon, thinking it'll fly off, but it dropped to the ground. And then he saw it was cringing around in circles. And he looked carefully. Its stomach was swollen and the wings were shriveled. He thought this will soon correct itself, but he didn't know. It would never correct itself now. That struggle of getting out from the cocoon was what the butterfly had needed to press the fluid from its stomach into the wings. Without the struggle, it would remain forever crippled like this. Likewise, what we call as adversity, our bad karma, bad destiny is actually God's way of helping us fill our divine wings for the spiritual flight to the highest journey. We people don't realize we look for somebody who will take away all our problems, make life problem free. But life is the manifestation of our potential under circumstances that tend to press us. I think this is one of the most beautiful, beautiful explanations that I've ever heard uh, about adversity and how it prepares us for bigger and better things in our life. <laughs> well, Vijay, there is in the Chandogya Upanishad a question asked that why does God send natural calamities? Sometimes there's a hurricane, cyclone, tsunami. Is there a defect in the design of creation? You know, like if somebody has a stomach upside, they keep releasing gas. It's a sign that the stomach is not well. So is there a defect in God's design that first there's an earthquake and a volcano, etc.? But when the laws of nature are so immense, from the tiniest Higgs boson to the biggest galaxies, there are matter is so complex and unfathomable. If God wanted, he could have easily created the world without any natural calamities. It's just like we humans, if we take a little dirty water, we have stomach upset. And the animals are drinking from the river and no stomach upset. He's created their stomach such. So God has deliberately allowed calamities because he challenges humankind. He forces them to cope with the difficulty, to exert themselves and grow in the process. So the purpose behind adversity in the grand design is always to push us to the next level in our growth. And also this tells me that never to 
doubt the universe or you know god or whatever you know people believe in <laughs> yes uh, it was einstein who said that we all need to make this decision in our lives whether the universe is benevolent or malevolent so people who see the universe as malevolent they're always complaining that this bad thing happened that bad thing happened and somebody who sees the universe as benevolent says i am sure there's a silver lining to this cloud i came across a very interesting story of anthony ray hinton this person was a black american and for no crime of his own he got sentenced to death so he was in the jail at the time of the crime he had been in a factory and the factory owner testified but his counsel did not fight his case properly and uh, the forensic experts they just created a link that the bullet matched with the gun in your mother's house and that is why it's your fault so when he landed up in jail now there he describes he was in a cell 5 feet by 7 feet and only one hour in the day they would let him go out and the whole row was of people convicts on the death row so once in a few while a convict would be taken out to be killed and that convict would be walk in front of his cell so in that situation he remained positive he became a friend of the convicts guide for them and the guards they campaigned for his release he somehow managed to have a good advocate who was fighting his case finally the supreme court of the united states unanimously declared him non guilty and he was released so when he came out after 30 years of wrong imprisonment so cnn and others interviewed him and he was asked that uh, don't you have bitterness towards the people who did this so he said look if i keep bitterness inside then i will still be in jail he said i have released it all whatever happened my mother taught me he said that anything which falls from the heavens can never be bad so some people run away from the rain i run into the rain my mother told me that don't try to be a billionaire because so many billionaires are unhappy try to be a happy person and you'll bring happiness to others so he said <laughs> that if this has been arranged by the universe it was to make me a better person now whatever happened happened but he had faith that the universe is working in his favor i think this is a really really powerful story and i'm sure i'm going to remind myself of this story every single time i have this iota of doubt on the universe's plan and i'm sure you know listeners now also got the perspective on how powerful this story is and what a great perspective on uh, you know trusting in the universe's plan now you know coming back to the thoughts and the things that we're discussing in this episode swami ji for the creative people you know like me or the other people who are listening to podcast who are constantly creating something you know maybe it's their art or music or you know whatever they are creating can we 
leverage our thought to become more and more creative if so then how can we use that bring creativity in our thoughts absolutely the thought potential we have is going untapped now banks may fail economies may regress institutions may collapse but the treasure chest in between the two ears that we contain can always be harnessed and with thoughts we can do so much so why is it that there have been few like albert einstein thomas alva edison who utilized their minds creativity you know to to completely change, make a paradigm shift in the lives of people and not everybody is able to do it because people fall into the trap of commonplace thinking everybody is thinking like this let me also think like this now if if you were told to wear somebody else's underwear you'd say oh come on how can i do it <laughs> but we don't mind wearing other people's thoughts right so everybody is thinking like this <laughs> let me wear them in my head as well and we fall into the trap this is how it has always been done there's a story of the british house of commons a stairway leads up and at the bottom of the stairway there used to be one man standing and that went on for decades and decades and nobody knew what purpose is served by his standing until somebody went into it and the facts unearthed were that about 50 years ago this man's grandfather had been asked to stand there because wet paint had been put on the railing so until the paint dried up he was supposed to be there to tell them that look don't touch it because it's wet now since that it continued and nobody asked like for a thousand years in europe people believed that men have got more teeth than women and why well you know aristotle said it so aristotle just said it without even opening his wife's mouth and counting and everybody accepted it because aristotle said it so likewise we should we have to realize that there's this rut and for creative thinking you want to get out of the rut now how do you get out of the rut i have written in detail in this book because i actually experienced it you know i wrote this book uh, during the covid period in fact this was uh, the third book that i wrote in the covid period so i was uh, in in one city for a month for this book and i would write 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 and then i would reach a writer's block and at that time then i'd say okay now what should i write about i seem to have drained out so i would just go for a walk and the moment i would start walking thoughts would suddenly start flowing into me ideas and creativity and the first day it happened i thought okay great so i came back and wrote thousand words and the next day same thing next day same thing then i realized that this is an essential creative process that first you exert your conscious mind on something and then give a break to the conscious mind just go for a walk or do a habitual activity or just sit and listen to music 
and then the subconscious mind gets to work subconscious mind creates new links new connections explores new possibilities so that's how thomas edison was also working the thomas edison style was that he would think 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 and then fall asleep and then he would wake up and he would have the ideas so it was just giving the conscious mind a break and salvador dali uh, was a, a novelist a creative uh, painter thinker poet playwright so he was considered extremely creative his style was very amazing where he would keep on thinking 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 and he would sit in his armchair with a key in his hand and a metal plate below so when he would fall asleep the key would fall into the plate with a clang and wake him up and then he would find these ideas coming to himself so there is see one is focused thinking focused is just like the torch beam you can either focus it or you can diffuse it right so at times you have to focus your conscious mind and at times for creative thinking you have to make it diffuse so that diffuse thing you give little rest to the conscious mind and let the subconscious get to work it will start to have faith it starts coming up with great ideas mm. so swami ji do you believe that the ideas flow through the universe to us because i've also heard people say that your ideas are not yours or say the wisdom is not mine it's it flows through the universe or god or the higher power that you believe in a lot of people express that when we are doing a work that is meaningful and beneficial so definitely the universe can make us an instrument for that work i just happen to be listening to elizabeth gilbert uh, who, the author of eat love and pray so that was a phenomenally successful book which became a movie as well and elizabeth gilbert in that ted talk she expresses that some power comes in and i keep writing and then it's gone and i am stuck and i just wait for that power to get connected again and i was seeing the comments below the talk that how can you be so unscientific nothing like this happens <laughs> so our logical mind wants to be reductionist but there are so many unexplained phenomena that go beyond just simple you know 2 plus 2 is equal to 4 thinking and creativity is one of them the ideas definitely are coming to us from the universe itself mm so what i also feel is for you to have those that flow for the universe to come in you need to be prepared you need to be aligned spiritually to the universe right so how can we align spiritually ourselves to sort of be prepared for this kind of flow yeah, okay vijay that is an important uh, question see uh, swami vivekananda said an acharya is one through whom the divine power acts so to to receive that divine power we need to prepare ourselves for it we need to attract that grace you for that you have to do two things the first is to become a fit and reliable instrument uh, 
you would not hand over your property to your little child because you would not have faith that the child would use it well and say okay my child you grow up and i'll give it all to you so likewise the universe says that i need to know that you are you know free from lust and free from pride and these things only then i'll trust you with all these powers and the second is so so first of all we become pure and the second is that we make our intention pure which means the more you start doing things for the pleasure of the universe the more we attract that divine grace that is why people who are engaged in welfare work slowly slowly they start realizing that the most important or let's say the limiting constraint is their own purity and what we really need to do is alongside with working on the outside to work upon ourselves and that the more we keep working on ourselves we keep attracting divine grace to us on that such a great note we have come to an end of this conversation i know swami ji i can listen to you whole day and you know i'm just loving this conversation i'm learning a lot from this conversation and i we can go on and on and on and talk about you know spirituality thought and and mind and managing your mind and thought and so on and so forth but i will stop there for this episode uh and i would like to encourage listeners to check the book out the power of thoughts i have gone through the book and this is uh this book it's just going to transform your life if you just implemented the ideas from this book and i say that with a conviction because you will get to understand your own mind your thoughts how do you manage them and also you know i we just spoke about how do you align yourself and he talks about spirituality and thoughts also there are meditations that you can practice thank you so much for writing this book it's it's just just a beautifully beautifully written book with a lot of insights uh, and thank you so much for being on the show swami ji if you'd like to share a word about the book well um thank you for your kind words about the book vijay and it's again been a pleasure speaking to you on your inspiring talk podcast well uh, this book about 30 plus years ago i asked my spiritual guide my guruji that what is the best way we can help human kind so he said you know the best service you can do is to share good knowledge so with that conviction in mind i have been working and of course the internet age has helped the dissemination of knowledge in a bigger way and these books also do the same very thing in regard to the topic of this book as a little child when i was in grade 8 i was going for a vacation with my parents and with the start of the vacation they took me to a bookshop and said pick a book so you can read it along the way and i picked up a book that uh, i still remember it was about energizing the powers of your mind so that was as an eighth grader i got in touch with the thought the importance of thoughts and since then i have been working on it 
teaching about it. And this book is possibly the fruit of those last 50 years of self-contemplation on thoughts. Wow. And it, it really is a powerful one. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being guest on the show once again. And this episode has been, you know, more powerful, if not, you know, it, this episode has been really, really powerful. Uh, and, you know, the last episode, like I said, in the beginning, people really, really loved it. And I'm sure people, listeners who are listening to this episode must be buzzing with the ideas and they're like oh my god that's a lot of knowledge and insights and wisdom i'll put the link of the book in the description of this episode thank you so much swamiji uh really really appreciate it thank you so much Vijay. a pleasure speaking to you and my best regards to all your listeners as well Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Inspiring Talk podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Ghana, GeoSavan, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also watch this conversation on YouTube. I'll link that in the description of this episode. I hope you learned something or got some inspiration. If you did, please take a screenshot of this episode and post it as your Instagram story. When you do that, don't forget to tag me at the Red Business Speaks. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.